Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Welcome back to the Business Mentor Podcast. I'm really happy you guys are joining once again. We're going to jump back into the story with Neville Wright. If you haven't listened to the episode about his earlier days and how he started this entrepreneurship, I highly recommend you going back or refreshing yourself. But now we're going to jump back into the story where Neville Wright starts to talk about building this amazing company, which was called Kiddie Care. There is a story so to from, it. So from property, you know, doing that building it, scaling it, which you did, um, how big did you get with that? And then chance with, you know, did you start building in property? Then how, how did you get there? By accident. It was it, most things in life uh, come by accident. And what happened was uh, Marilyn was working with me full time and um, she was painting and decorating. She could decorate and paint better than I could. So people used to say, well, one or two people said, oh, I see you've brought your wife. Does she help? You know, and in a very, very derogatory kind of tone of voice. Oh, does she help? Um, yes, she drives the truck. She goes to the tip. She picks the sand and cement up and the bricks. And does everything. She does everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, because while at that time I had six people working uh, with me. So while they was digging holes and mending fences and roofs, she was um, feeding them with all the materials. Yeah. So I, I'm a great believer at uh, time and motion. And so there's very derogatory about Marilyn working. And there was one or two really bad remarks. And Marilyn said, I don't like this. You know, I, I like working with you. I don't like what, how people are with me. Because in those days, I'm talking about in the 70s, women didn't work on building sites. They didn't work in other people's houses. And so it was strange. There were people would only see men doing maintenance work, wouldn't see a woman. So she said, I've had enough, really. I don't want this. I don't want... Uh, and, and she was doing the book work at night. So she said, I think we'll get an office because now the business is big enough for me to have an office. So uh, we got a terrace house, 1229 Borges Boulevard, Peterborough. Uh, it's on Lincoln Road. Uh as you're going out of Peterborough. So we was making it from a house into an office. And, and then she said, do you know, it's only going to take me two or three hours a day. And I thought, well, what's she going to say? Is she going to say the rest of the time I can go shopping? But of course, when you're conditioned into something for a long time, and this has been a couple of years, and You'd got no money, so you spent no money. You've got that uh, situation where you can live in a caravan if you need to. She, w she wasn't a person to go out and go shopping all day. So that wouldn't ever come into it. So she said, I think we could probably sell something. Now, what could we sell? By that time, we'd saved up about £300. 
what could you buy for 300 pound that you could make into a shop and and what do you know we didn't know anything about shopkeeping and then we thought well we've had a baby we bought a second hand pram a second hand cot a second hand high chair that's what we'll do we'll fill the place with second hand prams because you don't need too many of them to fill a fill a terrace house yeah and um off we go and so we started buying second hand prams uh in the evenings and then we opened this shop a few weeks later um in april april the 6th um Nineteen seventy-six, I believe it was. Yeah, seventy-four, maybe seventy-seven. Um, and then we start, and then we we started selling second-hand stuff, and then reps started to come in, and we started to sell new stuff. So within a year, we was um, thinking that we'd buy a new Mercedes with the profits and go on holiday, and then the um, Really, the devastating news came in from our accountant that you made nothing. So uh, we'd put £1,500 worth of stock on the shelves extra and Marilyn had took no wages. And um, and so we decided, well, well, get rid of it. Retail is not for us. We'll just keep on with the building, which was getting busier and busier. Yeah. And we sold it um, to, to uh, a school teacher uh, um, this is a shop. I mean, you saw the shop. Yeah, okay. uh, and and on the day that we was going to sign, a rep came in. Carl Davis, uh, his name was. Rep came in, and, and we said, "Oh, we won't see you again, Carl, because we saw it." And he got hold of me by the scruff of the neck because I said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, there's no passing trade." And he got hold of me by the scruff of the neck. I was nine stone. He was about thirty stone. A massive, massive guy, and he dragged me out the shop, and he. And he pointed me down the road, Lincoln Road, and he said, look, he said, this is the main street in Peterborough, road coming in. And he swung me round. My feet didn't touch the ground. And he says, look, Neville, he says, all the people coming down this street. And he says, they can't see you. They can't because it's a terraced house with a flat front. They can't see you because there were shops, offices and houses. And I realised within that few minutes that he was passionate about my business not for himself but for me and he says i've seen you and marilyn work so hard for you don't give up and this is why i'm doing it you know you start this podcast i said this is why i'm doing he showed me what passion for business was in that few minutes and he said don't give up you're just about to make it and i went in the shop i said to marilyn we're not selling even though she never took a wage for that whole year, and I, I hadn't, and the work I'd done it. So what was going to be different tomorrow as opposed to yesterday? And she said, fine, you know, I'd, you know. So I'd got my back against the wall. I'd got to do something about it. Uh, I mean, I had to ring the solicitor and say we're not selling it, and the guy wasn't very happy who was buying it. Um, but within 10 minutes, he, he said to me, you've got to dress your... Shop front up, you've got to put prams outside, you've got to put toys outside, you've got to make it so people can see it. And I went across to the DIY shop on Lincoln Road, got a load of hooks, screwed them into the frame of the window of, of, of the shop and started hanging all toys out and put prams on the pavement and stuff like that. And I attracted people. 
Now, within another year, we were so busy in that shop, we sold it as a going concern and opened a bigger shop five times as big in Orton Center. And, and that's how we did it. You know, and we kept moving and, and we sold three shops as going concerns because in those days you could yeah. because there was no internet. And if you was a few miles away, it didn't interfere. People who bought prams in those days bought them locally. As I say, there was no internet. So you could do that. You could build a business and sell it and build a bigger one and sell it. And that's, and that's what we did. And we moved uh, premises, uh, I think it was seven times we did, till we got up from a terraced house to like 100,000 square foot footprint of a, a shop with about 260,000 square foot inside it. So it's, um, that's how we built it, one day at a time. Yes, and steps. one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, that's a great story. So you've built this, um, the name, um, Kitty Care. The name was Rainbow Warehouse for start because we hadn't got a clue what we would really sell in the end. Yeah, and then how did the name come about? Did you just... just... Well, we sold Rainbow Warehouse. And then, then in 1980, we'd got to look for a new name. Yeah. And I thought, what is the best name in the nursery industry now? Mother Care. Mother Care was the best, uh, and I've always admired Mother Care all the time. I think it started in 1967, something like that. Um, and it's having a tough time at the moment, closing a, a lot more shops. But it's, um, I would say it's always been the best shop, and we admired it, and we looked up to um, that shop, and we, you know, we didn't, we, we knew we was never going to ever overtake it. And that was never one of our ambitions in life to, to do that. You do need competitors and you do need people who are better than you. Um, being number two or number three is great position. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we called it Kitty Care. That's, that's why. Good. That's, that's good why. It was the nearest thing to mother care. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. I want to know that. That's really good. So you... So when you've, um, so you got it, how, how big did it end up? So what was the biggest you got it to before you We're sold doing it? Um, 40 million in turnover. We'd got all of the workings inside it to do, to go up to 200 million. Yeah. Um, and um, and we, uh, that's, that's how big it got with 120 people, 120 staff in one shop. I, I think it's a world record and not only for the, sale for 70 million pounds in cash but it's i think it's a world record for an independent uh shop that wasn't even limited it was it was a uh it was 50 50 shares between marilyn and myself and um is an independent shop and I think it was a world record, not only to get the 70 million pound but to have 120 people in one shop so I'm very proud of yeah. that, you know, and uh, I don't, I, I don't think that'll ever be beaten, really. That's just amazing. From yeah, terrorist. Yeah, right. it to what ended up, you know, and yeah. it just shows how, what can be what can be achieved. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, when did you still have the property business on the side, or was it just yeah. solely? So you still no, we that? we carried on for a few years with the maintenance, doing it for other people, and then it came to one 
a crunch really. I wanted to be in the shop. I want because I felt my skills, um, I like talking to people, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I got the gift of the gab, really. And, um, and so I like that. And I like being with people. I like, uh, but, but our, uh, really, to go into business, I'll have to go back to when we started. The reason we always wanted to go into business is because we, we wanted to work together. And that's the only reason. We didn't want the money. Um, we, didn't, we didn't want anything else because we, we wanted to feel safe. Because when you're dyslexic or like Marilyn was so quiet, yeah. she wouldn't, you know, she was a hairdresser. And it was like, you're never going to make anything being a hairdresser. You're so, she's so quiet. She couldn't speak to people. She couldn't even answer the phone. I was uh, running away all the time because I thought I was dumb. So the two of us together could help each other. And the two of us together being self-employed meant there's nobody could get onto us or sack us or whatever it is, whatever, you know, you have when you've got a job there's always people there who can um, disrupt your life and when you're doing what you want together and helping each other it doesn't matter whether you're just surviving or making a fortune it's it's all about you you the the reason why you're doing it yeah and so therefore you know, we could have people in who have the same problems as us and protect them. They'd be in a protected environment, you know, because there was no bullying or anything like that because we, we, that wasn't in part of the um, part of Kitty Care. You know, it was, we were there to protect people. Yeah. And obviously we want, also we wanted people who was a lot brainier than us yeah. as well to work there. I wasn't looking for somebody who wasn't as good as me. I was always looking for somebody who was better. Yeah. And I think for the listeners, it just, your honesty is so overwhelming. And, you know, when people, you know, say you have to be this kind of person to run a business or be successful, the way you've described it and you're honest, you know, you guys weren't top of your game at the start. And just out of pure necessity, you guys worked as a team. And then you got other people that had different kind of skill sets to bring it together. Yeah. You have to have a team. Everybody in that team is just as valuable as... People used to come into the shop and say, do you know, I've never seen such wonderful toilets as you've got in any other shop or restaurant. They are spotless. They're brilliant. They're lovely. They're clean. Their tiling is lovely. And, and, And so that's where people judge you. And we had a cleaner and I, I used to see her every single day and she was so valuable. She loved her job and she was just as valuable in that business as I was. She's got a different skill set and, and she was just as valuable as me or Marilyn or any of the IT people. And that's because... You've got to gel together and, and it's a complete thing. It's not, we had, we didn't have cleaners in 
when the shop closed. No, we had cleaner there all the time. And it was like instant, any problems, it's instantly sorted out. And uh, so all these people, whether it's the security or the people taking goods in or out, the buyers, the gardeners, all of them were part of a team. And the people who pick the litter up constantly, you know, it was like when you come into our car park, you didn't see any litter. So there's nothing to distract you. If you go into a car park and it's full of litter, you go, oh, look at all that litter. You yeah. know, you've not even got in the shop. Yeah. We didn't want people to think that, oh, these bushes are all overgrown. You know, what a, what a tip this is. No, you, you take all that thought away. And when they go into the shop, the first thing they see is the toilets. Oh, because people used to travel like hours, you know, and, and the people who used to travel were pregnant. And what do they need? They need good, clean facilities there. So the first thing as you come in the door was all the toilets. And, and it was like, because they've got the kids. And, yeah. and we used to have little basins which were nearer to the floor for the kids. So that was the touches that you'd got. In our restaurant, there was, there was a sink. As you went in, you got a big sink and a small sink. Yeah. So people didn't have to... When, when you get kids with sticky fingers, they didn't have to go back into the toilets. They'd got the basin there in the restaurant so they could wash their hands. They didn't want to go into the toilet, you know. That's, that's, it's, it was the tiniest little things that count. That's so true because me and my wife, when we go out, the first thing she comments is the toilets. <laughs> the toilets were nice in there, they were nice in there, and then... We'll go back there because the toilets. Yeah, we used to get, get letters. We yeah. used to get letters yeah. in those days, and then emails telling us about our toilets. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's little things like that that matter, and the whole experience and the buying things is one part of the experience. So, what you've built this great shop and you've done great. What made you then decide to sell it? Was there any particular point where you fell out of love with it? Or was there anything? Because I can remember when I sold my agency, I can remember looking around for any books I could read on people have sold a business. What happens after? Because no one taught me what, what happens after selling a business. The two weeks in Portugal were great. But then it was like, what did you do? And then I get back on the horse, started building another business. But for yourself, the decision and then what happened after? How did you feel? Um, oh, I felt dreadful afterwards. It, the... The 70 million um, was, was nothing. We gave quite a lot away um, to the staff. Um, so it was a nice uh, payday uh, for, for them at the time. And um, Were they shareholders or no. just, just a token gesture? Oh, it's, we appreciated them. Um, yeah, so it's um, yeah, something that we wanted to do. Uh, but the, um, the, the, the thing is, we lost all of our friends, all of our, it was like a family. And you don't realize so much uh, until it happens. Yeah. And then um, I describe it as we was, the business was bought, we was allowed to stay in our office for a month and then we'd got to go. But we wasn't allowed to speak 
to the staff and they wasn't allowed to speak to us. Now we had an open door environment and it was like people would be queuing up at the door uh, and we would go next, you know, and they'd come in. It was a bit of a laugh really. So have a cup of tea, do you want tea or coffee? You know, that was the type of thing. And they would, and they would come in and they'd chat and there'd be anything from something to do with the business to um, I need some advice on mortgage, getting a mortgage or my next door neighbor stops awake all night and is banging his drums, what do I do? Yeah. Or I'm thinking about getting a divorce because I can't stand my wife or my husband, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And there was coming in for advice. So, and that we just took that as part of the business and, yeah. and, and the way it is, or my kids are driving me mad and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and then we wasn't allowed to speak to them. Anyway, we got an office just across the road and I describe it as a godforsaken office. There we was, Marilyn and I, in silence, shuffling bits of paper from the past, thinking yeah. into files, thinking we may want them in the future, but we wouldn't. And when the biggest party in the world was going on with the new people yeah. just across the road, we'd instigated it and got 70 million for it, but yeah. we were not allowed to share it, you know, and everybody wants a cake and eat it. And I'd have loved to have stopped there. And... Um, but we was on a different road and uh, it was very upsetting because it's like one day you've got this massive family, not only 120 staff, but you've probably got another 100 people who are suppliers that was all friends. We're, you know, we used to go on holiday with reps and, um, and uh, we used to go, they used to stop at our house very often when there was traveling round and we knew the owners of... Uh, the businesses, the manufacturing businesses, and, and, and then all of a sudden, nothing, because they've got their own life to lead. They're, they're so busy, yeah. tremendously busy. And so, you know, that was it. It's gone. And that was so awful. I, I, I say in my book, it was uh, 419 days before I could really start writing and telling people about the story and uh, it's uh, very upsetting it was. That's refreshing hearing that from yourself because I went through a similar kind of thing. Obviously, we didn't get to the funds that you got to, but it's just like when you sell the business and the staff are upset and you think, why are they upset? You don't, you don't understand. And then, like I said, the period after that, it's a bit like, yeah, it's the worst period because you, yeah. you lost. And yeah. When it's so busy in the business, you're used to doing things, aren't you? Yeah. And I, and I talk about now when you are selling a business, just have something to fill that void pretty quickly, otherwise you can... We, you we'd know, got the property business, we'd still got that because uh, after a few years of maintenance, we decided that we'd just buy and sell property and then we decided we'd build property. But that was all done by subcontractors. Yes, so along in that 30 years, we'd built up, well, we'd built up 30 million pounds worth of property. Uh, I estimated it when in 2011 in... 2010 in the worst uh, recession I, I reckon it had gone down about a third yeah um, but it went back up it did so uh, so we'd still got that but it wasn't the same without a team of people and um, I mean since then we've built businesses and we've built business businesses and sold them you know it's it, it's been great but there's still something about having a real good team of people. I mean, I, I went 
the first day I, I went out and that we'd finished, I went to fill a car up that I'd got and um, I rang our security guy, Barry, and I said, Barry, how do I open the petrol <laughs> tank? Yeah. Because he'd, he'd filled it up for us yeah. every day, every week or whatever it was. Um, it wasn't a car that I used very often, but I didn't know where to fill the car up. What was it petrol? Was it diesel? I didn't know, you know, on that car because you've got people doing things for you. You've got people having your car washed, doing, uh, you know, doing everything for you. And so I got 120 people there. I'd not even used a computer. I knew what I wanted. I knew what we wanted on our uh, website, yeah. you know, how to design it and um, what customers wanted or the prices. I used to go through it every day, but I'd never used one yeah. because I'd got, I was too busy. I'd got people who did it. They did everything. You've got 120 people. You've got a skill set there of everything. You just got to lift the phone. And yeah. all I had to do was think, think where the business is today, where it will be tomorrow, next year, in five years time. That was my job. And going around doing the minute to minute things like time and motion and problem solving and that. So computers had come along and I'd never even got involved except for looking at our website as a customer. And then I knew everything yeah. what I wanted to know and, and what to tell people, but how to do it was completely different. Yeah. So I had to learn a new skill set. It took me ages. <laughs> yeah, because you built this, this empire. But yeah, I think Neville, we've done a full circle now. <laughs> you know, I think you've, you've gone to that story, you've gone to the depths, and I think as listeners now, they probably know you just as well as I've known you now, and it's a fascinating story. Um, so what I want to do is I ask some uh, of our, um, my followers some questions. So I'm going to ask some questions and you can go as long as you, yeah. you want because obviously the more detail the better. Okay, jolly good. So the first question is, um, one thing you would tell your younger self going back now? Knowing what I know now. Yeah. Yes, because it's always very difficult because you think, well, you wouldn't have known that in the first place. So whatever i mean you've got when you're going i describe it as a ladder when you're going up the ladder you can't jump a rung you have to go up every rung of the ladder and and you will um fall back and one of the things i felt and i think every business person has felt it at some time or other especially when there's stress there if it wasn't for the customers this job would be all right I hear that all the time. And and I admit, you know, like when I was doing the window cleaning, if it wasn't for the customers, I'd be all right. Uh, but you do need those customers and, yeah. and you should understand the customers more. If I only had more understanding of how the customers felt, why they was doing the things, how, why they was talking to me, why they had the problems, where you think there's no problem, but they've got a problem. Um, so understanding, putting yourself in the customer's shoes and and not only doing it, thinking they are right and I am wrong because yeah. you get through this, I'm right and they're wrong. Well, you're not. You're, you've got your business. 
And whatever you want to think or say, it's the customer who's paying your wages. So whatever they say, they are right in their eyes. And you either have to accept it because if you fight, if you fight it, you're going to lose anyway. Yeah. Um, or you've got to change the way of your business. Marilyn didn't like the way that they was talking to her derogatory because she was a woman in a man's world at that time. Yeah. So we didn't fight it. We didn't argue with the customer. We changed the method and she went and worked away from those customers, even though she was still in charge of that business. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I would have told myself a lot more times that the customer is right and you're wrong. And yeah. if you, you know, that, so that's probably one of the most valuable things. I could have gone on a lot quicker. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, you know, you, you learn from the experience. But again, yes. this is all hindsight, but, you know, yeah. it's worth knowing. So the best advice given to you? Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because he's showing you whatever you think, you know, wherever you're putting yourself in the position of, of life with uh, how you are with other people, that you can be, you can feel that you know nothing and you're nothing in this world. And because you've been put down so many times over the last 20 years through schooling and, and people where you've worked with and, they've, uh, and you're mentally abused and, and so you think you are worthless. And, um, and so therefore he is saying... He's saying to me, you know, if I wasn't the world champion boxer, I could be anything. I would be the world champion garbage collector. Yeah. And that really struck a chord. That really meant to me that he's not afraid. He's not afraid to do anything. Um, you know, and we, and we actually said to people, right, when they first come in after, uh, if they come into kiddie care, and they'd just left school. Right, it's two things you've got to learn. You've got to learn to make a decent cup of tea. Yeah. You know, because if you can't make a cup of tea, you're not a lot of good around here. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and the other thing is, you haven't been, you've got to be the best toilet cleaner in the yeah. world. And if you're afraid of cleaning toilets, which most 16-year-olds are, yeah. if you're, you're no good to us. Yeah. Because when, when things... When the shit hits the fan, <laughs> somebody's got to be there to clear yeah, it up. You know? So if you're... If you can make a good cup of tea and you've got, and you've got the, um, a, you don't mind cleaning toilets, but do it the best because if you're the worst at cleaning toilets, you'll always do it for the rest of your life. But if you're the best, we can't afford to have you do it. So you've got to move on. So those are the things. Yeah. It takes a pressure away as well. If you enjoy what you do or put everything into it, it takes a pressure. Because otherwise you're thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't yeah. want to do this. And if you don't enjoy it, then lie to yourself and say this is the best job in the world because yeah. I had to. I hated some of my jobs. I like. I didn't want to be a window cleaner. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. So, but somebody said something to me one day, and it clicked just like that. And this is what generally happens in life. It it's, doesn't take a long time. It's like going through a revolving door. It only takes a second, but. You go in one side with a negative attitude and you come out the other side with a positive one. It's because how you want it in life, you can make it. And so 
be, being, you know, positive. And if you have to lie to yourself and say, this is the best job. And it, it, when you look at it, if it's the only job you've got, it is the best job. Yeah. You can make it the worst job in the world and hate every second of your life. Or you can say, well, this is the only job I have until I get a better one. So I might as well make this the best job in the world and enjoy it. And actually, you might enjoy it then. And somebody will see you enjoying that job. And they'll go, do you want a job, a better yeah. job than that? But a person who hates their job is never going to get a better one because their, their new employer is anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. And they'll see they've got a shit attitude to that job. So what makes them any difference if they get a better job? So they'll never get a better job attitude. with a shit attitude to the job they've got. Yeah. But they will get a better job if they've got a positive attitude to any menial task. Some people will not do a menial task, but that's all they do all their life. And I have this conversation every other day with recruiters and people I help. And I just say to them, first thing is attitude. The best staff I've had is apprentices. They've come from the bottom, worked up, and they've become the best salespeople you know. Yeah. Whereas the ones that look really good they tend to fail because they haven't got the right attitude. They don't yeah. want to pick up the phone because they think they're too good, but you've got to pick up the phone. Yes. Cool. So the best advice you've given to somebody you just like thought, I just worked amazing. Is there anything that you've given? <laughs> yeah, just, just do it. Just get on and do it. And, and don't waste time. Don't waste a minute. You've got 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds in a day. Yeah. Don't bloody waste them. Don't waste them at all, you know, because you are either going forward or backwards. So you're going nearer to your goals or further from your goals every second of your life. So are you doing something right now that's taking you nearer to your goal in life. What is your goal? Yeah. Well, if you haven't got any goals, you haven't got a life. So write your goals down. Get your, get your goals in order and then start going for your goals. And uh, I forgot a question. <laughs> no, we just... <laughs> we'll skip it then. Anyway. No, what was Yeah, the we're just basically if the best advice you've given, which is... Keep on going. Yeah. yeah keep started. On. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got there. We got there. <laughs> We've got to go. So um, I get so passionate. No, it's great. It's great. What we're I think it's great. About. I'm so engaged and I forgot the question myself. <laughs> it's written in front of me. Cool. So we'll do one more question because we can keep on going. All right. Friends. Okay. One more so question. So yeah. basically, um, rituals. Now, I did a podcast on rituals. Have you got any morning rituals that you do that you, you mentioned, right? Any goals? Is anything you can share with, with the listeners? Um, I'm very, very haphazardous, I am, because one day I will go to bed at four o'clock in the morning. Okay. And one day I'll get up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite cool about things, uh, about, uh, what I do and how I, and how I do. I'm very methodical. Because my kitchen, for instance, I, I do all the cooking. I've done all the cooking for the last 30 years. Um, my wife, I love that. You don't have to teach me how you do that. Yeah, I, I love it. But I can have so much stuff all over the place. 
Uh, I had uh, 16 people here the other day for a barbecue. Uh, my wife sprang it on me, uh, but uh, it was great. Um, uh, but it's like, I won't go. Uh, I'll go down the kitchen and I'll take stuff and put it in its place. But then I'll, as I come back, I'll pick up the nearest thing and I'll go and put that wherever it belongs, then pick up the nearest thing and go and take that wherever it belongs. So in other words, and this is what I've done all, all my life, is never go anywhere um, in in uh, the business, in the wherever you are, without taking something. So if you're on a building site and you're taking something to the skip, then bring a load of bricks back. You know, don't go, don't go on a one-way journey. Go on a two-way journey and use your time uh, like using your money to twice or three times. And, and that's what I say in my book about how to use money yeah. twice, three times. Use your time. Uh, I was uh, talking to Dawn, my PA, the other day, and I was in the kitchen. I was peeling potatoes. We, we just got a crop of potatoes, and I was putting a load in the freezer. So while we were talking about our website, and so therefore I'm used to doing two things. Multitasking. Multitasking, yeah. Cool, cool. I think we've covered so much. Um, the whole podcast about mentoring, so business mentor podcast. So I know you mentioned Muhammad Ali as being one of your inspirations. Yeah, so Is there any mentors you'd like to shout out that worked and helped you join your journey? Well, Carl Davis, as I said, he swung me around like I was just a a, uh, a puppet. Yep. You know, people like that who are everyday people who see you from a different uh, perspective and see what you're doing and want, and they are passionate enough to give you their advice you should listen to them and take it. Um, there is um, so so my father, he he. What was his name? Arthur. Arthur. Arthur Wright. Arthur and Wright. Um, when he was sixty six, he rode from Lands End to John Growth on a penny farthing to raise money for help the aged. I think he ra- raised about one hundred and thirty thousand pound. So he was born in nineteen fourteen. He was, um, he died in when he was 92. Um, but he, he was a great person. Um, he come back from the war with post-traumatic stress, but nobody knew about it at the time. Uh, he'd been in the Japanese war in the jungle fighting for seven years, uh, which the, they call the forgotten war. Yeah. Um, kill or, or be, you know, die yourself and he survived it and um and the thing was he beat me something dreadful uh when i was a kid my my mother used to be screaming stop hitting him off you'll kill him and it's like and yet i loved him and yet he was a hero to me and yet people you know i didn't understand for years what was wrong with him why he beat me you know but i don't know whether he's trying to teach me to be a survivor or whether it's what it was but you know he he helped me yeah. in my business um and um anyway the, the the thing is you understand when you get older uh, about these things uh 
but uh, there was him. There was my uncle Cyril, who's 92 at the moment. He's not my proper uncle. Yeah. He's uh, my Jewish father or my, my kid's uncle. He was a rep and I've known him for 40 odd years. And he's very simple. He's like my father. When I say he's very simple, if I ask him a question, um, Cyril, what, what would you do about it? How do you feel? Do you feel all right about it? Is it what you want to do? You know, not going into great detail. And I think to myself, well, do I want to do it? You know, do yeah. I? You know, um, so, so people like Cyril, ordinary people, people you just come across. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to ask for uh, uh, advice on how to become a millionaire for somebody in the pub who hasn't got a job yeah. and, you know, is, uh, you know, <laughs> like, but they've always got an opinion. That's <laughs> they, right. That's they right. Have. So um, I do say uh, negative people, you can learn from them. I do say negative people help me with my exercising. I, I, I don't walk away from them when they talk about negative stuff. I run away. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, yeah, there's lots of people. Nice. Everybody can be a mentor in some way or other, good or bad, you can gain knowledge. Yeah. And like the way you said, you know, you're, you're Cyril, you're your uncle, he asked you the question. And uh, I'm passionate about getting the right mentors that can guide you, but it's your decision with their guidance or their knowledge that you take on and you run with it anyway, yeah. which is great. I want to thank you so much. We've been here, um, you know, the interview's gone longer than I anticipated, but we could go on forever because you've got so much great knowledge. And listening to your story, I'm just, I love listening to it. Um, now, for my listeners, where can they find you? I know you mentioned the book. Can you just tell us the name of the book and wh where they can buy it from? Uh, Amazon. And the name of the book is, uh, the answer is yes. Now, what is a question? And um, how I turned 37 pence into 100 million pounds. Right. So it's uh, it, you can get it on audio. It's about 14 hours on audio. It's yeah. packed with uh, tips. And uh, I, it's, I've wrote it, 145,000 words. I've wrote it and, it's, uh, and it took me about three and a half years to write it. But I, I probably wrote it 10 times before I got all the spelling right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry about the swearing in there, but yeah. um, <laughs> there we are. Um, and... Uh, you can get it. You can get the book version, or you get it on um, Audible. Audible, or there's that other thing. What is it called? Kindle. 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 Yeah, yeah. And I've done the Kindle at about three quid because the for students and young people who can't afford twenty pound for the book. Uh, but I recommend. I recommend the book is good, but the audio should have both. I think because yeah. the audio again, you can listen to it while you're doing something else. Yeah, you know, and that's uh, and just that's, like the podcast. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for um, joining me on the podcast. It's been a great podcast. If you got any questions, you can catch me, Jay at businessmentorpodcast.com. You can reach Neville yourself, or if you want to ask me a question, I can ask Neville, and that'd be great. Uh, until the next time, thank you. <laughs>